Hi, I'm Tony Mala, and welcome to the ASA Podcast, a program for automotive professionals that helps keep you ahead of what's now, what's new, and what's next in the business of automotive service and collision repair. This podcast is brought to you by the Automotive Service Association, dedicated to driving your success. And we'll be sharing information, insight, and inspiration that will not just help you make a living, it will help you make a difference. Hi, I'm talking today at the Mobile Air Conditioning Society Convention and Trade Show in Nashville, Tennessee. And I have in front of me Elvis Hofspower, Max Executive Director and President, and Ward Atkinson, a well-known name in the air conditioning industry. Gentlemen, thanks for joining the show. Great to be here. Great to be here, Tony. This is Max's 40th anniversary, Elvis, right? Can't believe it. Time passes fast. Time really does. It's, it's just amazing. And uh, I know I've been involved with the organization, gosh, since the 90s. Ward, you and I met way back when. Yes. But I wanted to take some time. The show is huge this year. Lots of great information. And I think attendance is up from last year. I have noticed in the industry a rising interest in training because of the technology that we're all facing. I think more so when it comes to electrification and what the impact that's going to have, especially on heat management and the air conditioning systems. Are you noticing more of an interest in the show than you have before and in your regional training? Yes. If you talk about regional training, that has been a growing area for us for some years. Mm -hmm. And each year it it becomes larger. And yeah, there's a tremendous demand for it. Uh, People find us. And we have explored with Dr. Quarto and others specifically training to deal with the changes, electrification of the automobile, that sort of thing. And we'll be talking more about that actually in subsequent podcasts. I know that there's been a lot of conversation, as I said, about electrification, autonomous vehicles. We haven't figured our our way forward yet, but it's obviously going to have an impact on the industry. But let me switch gears a little bit. I do want to talk about the 40th anniversary. Uh, Max has been around, gosh, founded what year? Founded in 81, but uh, work began to develop the organization probably 79. Mm Mm-hmm. And both of you gentlemen have been involved with the organization from the beginning, right? I was not in in the beginning. I met a gentleman in Washington, D.C. in the early 80s by the name of Simon Olahogen. And Simon and I kind of took up a relationship. He and I were born within two days of each other. And so we took up quite a relation, called him, they called him my younger brother. And uh, we got involved in the environmental issues at the first CFC conference that was held by EPA in Washington. And it was that point when I got involved with Max. Hmm. How was Max founded? I mean, did it just spring up because of, of environmental concerns? or Actually, it was a group of like-minded businessmen from really all over the country. Most of them service-oriented, service shop-oriented, but there were some distributors and manufacturers involved that were movers and shakers. Purely voluntary effort, these shop owners basically recognized the need for representation of service shops in the industry. Prior to Max, that hadn't existed for the mobile AC industry. So it, it was kind of like a snowball. They got together and, again, voluntarily put in a lot of time you know, developing the concept. And I think they basically wrote the uh, bylaws in a six-hour meeting way back when. Of course, they had to be polished a bit from there. But the structure came together. Again, there was a lot of agreement on what needed to be done. So there wasn't any kind of fighting over, should we do it this way or do it that way? Mm -hmm. So it came together fairly smoothly over a course of probably two years' work prior to 
actual registration of the trademark and of the organization in 81. Hmm. And I know the organization really took off when there was the um, retrofitting, I believe, was one of the driving forces in the industry when the R12 right. was discovered for to be such a, a damaging to the environment. Well, to add to that, Tony, just very quickly, is that what took place was when Simon and I met at the EPA meetings in Washington, it became very evident that what was kind of missing was the association between the vehicle manufacturers and the service industry. Mm -hmm. And the service industry had a wealth of knowledge of what was taking place with the product that we did not, as a working for a former vehicle manufacturer, we did not have access to that information. So Simon and I agreed what we would do, and I was chairman of the SAE Interior Climate Control Standards Committee at that point, is that we would start to hold meetings in conjunction with the MAX meetings where we would hold a full day of SAE meetings and get all the car manufacturers involved in having an interface with the service industry people and vice versa. And that's what's really made a, a big difference and made a major difference because all of the retrofitting that took place between the CFC-12 was through the cooperation of what Max did in its original training programs and certification programs and the information that we would then get from the car manufacturers about what we should or should not be doing in the changes. As important as information is, obviously, to the service community and how that's changed over the years, Max enjoys a unique relationship, in, in my observation, with the EPA and with SAE. Would you gentlemen agree with that? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. We were the first 609 certification launched, and it was actually used as a template in the Clean Air Act. Other associations should base their certification training on what Max has done. And from that point, actually, Dr. Anderson, Ward, Simon developed a very close relationship. Simon was actually co-chair of the committee that did a lot of this initial work. And Ward, you know, you had mentioned Simon. I, we can't pass without mentioning Simon Olohojan. Simon is the one who got me involved with Max. Is that right? Back in the day, I was uh, just a managing editor of Motor Age at the time, much younger than I am now, and a lot lighter, I might add. And uh, but Simon was to say larger than life just doesn't cover it. But he was he was kind of the driving force to form the organization. Without question. And he was the one, the motivator that kept everybody going. It just he always had something that we were going to go ahead and be involved in. Yeah. And he that drive continues today. Obviously, you've been a worthy successor and, and the organization has really flourished going forward. Yeah, I, I got to tell a little story about Simon. We were at a national convention years ago, and a new participant walked into the room and said, what do I get out of this meeting? And Simon grabbed it, gave him a bear hug, and said, you get to see me once a year. <laughs> <laughs> there is an image burned into my brain. There was a, a Max convention in New Orleans. I'll never forget it. I don't think anybody will. When Simon, for the uh, evening reception, actually staged a New Orleans Mardi Gras parade in the hotel. Yes. And he was Bacchus. So that is something I will remember well beyond the grave, I'm sure. But definitely one of the giants in the industry. And there have been quite a number of notable individuals within the heating and air conditioning space that have really been instrumental in Max success. Ward, you're one of them. You spent how many years with General Motors? 30. 30 years and yeah. as a climate control engineer, right? Well, I was responsible for test and development of heating, air conditioning systems, ventilation, and engine cooling 
at Chevrolet before I retired. Wow. And you hold several patents, I believe. A couple. Yeah. By the way, going back to New Orleans, I have the original shirt that Max gave me from the New Orleans convention hanging in my closet. Oh, wow. I saw it, looked at it when I left this week to come down here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the, the Max shows have been in many ways a template, I think, for a lot of associations when it comes to providing just what their membership needs in the way of training and information. And focused, obviously, on the heating and air conditioning space. But how has that grown up over the years? I know the relationship with the EPA, there was a presentation earlier today. That's been a bit of a hallmark of Max. Well, it, and it's built over the years, but we've kept expanding the uh, training days that we offer during the convention. Mm-hmm. And we've always hit very heavily on the uh, light vehicle side, but we've grown to uh, now spend two full days on heavy-duty and off-road vehicles. That's kind of a growing sector for max much more uh, interest than there had been in previous years. So yeah, we, tr- we serve a pretty large or wide variety of uh, interest, mm-hmm. service interest. When did you get into the heavy-duty space? It dates way back, but it was slow to grow. Mm-hmm. We, I, I think, started maybe with a half day and then a full day. And we had some very strong presenters from the OE heavy-duty and, and off-road side that are probably still here with us this weekend, some of them are. But that grew, and we decided that we really needed two full days, and the, the room is packed both days. I mentioned a unique relationship with SAE and with the EPA. Max has also been very involved in staying engaged with the federal government as it relates to the regulations, the refrigerant use, and everything else. How has that grown over the years? Well, Tony, let me go back and add to, to Elvis's comment here a minute ago. You have to remember when Max started that the aftermarket hang-on unit business was probably the majority of passenger car air conditioning systems back in that area. We weren't at 100% factory air back in those early days. Mm -hmm. And so as the activities took place and more and more car manufacturers put 100% air conditioning on their OE-built vehicles, then the Passenger, or the passenger car uh, industry became very, very uh, stable in requiring service and good technician information in that area. And they, then the trucks, the heavy-duty trucks and the other ones started to get more into the activities. And so there's more growth at the later years that, of, of why the heavy-duty wasn't as interested. So we had the same thing in, in the SAE. The heavy-duty people were not too interested in uh, the activity at that time. And then as more and more trucks got air conditioning, heavy-duty trucks, buses, and so forth, more people got involved. Hmm. Well, let's talk a little bit about the, uh, the ongoing, again, engagement with, uh, with the regulatory uh, agencies that we have. Max has been deeply involved, I think. Yeah, and much of it stems from Ward and Simon's early work but we've maintained that largely through the 609 program. I mean, that's has changed and evolved. And actually, we found the various people that have handled it on the EPA side very cooperative. They're there on the phone when you need them, mm-hmm. respond to the emails, and it's not a tough job getting through to them and getting answers. Something you don't usually hear when we're talking about associations, relationships with government agencies, for, for sure. But this is a relationship that's built up over many years. 30 to 40. 
That has got to be unique. I don't know of any other association, with the possible exception of ASA, that even has that level of interest, let alone engagement with the industry. How would you say that has been important to the service community when it comes to making sure the regulatory agencies take those interests into consideration? Does Max play a key role in that? Well, I think there's a lot of conversation takes place between uh, uh, both our SAE and, and Max Association with the EPA on an ongoing basis, not only with the people in Washington that are into the SNAP rules and uh, the training areas and so forth, mm-hmm. but also the, with our early day association with the people in Ann Arbor that uh, were just getting into the air conditioning activities that looked at fuel economy numbers and so forth with the AC system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a short period of time when uh, I guess the regulatory field had, had settled down enough to where the EPA basically withdrew a 609 coordinator. And that was not a great time. But uh, actually, Steve Anderson was still involved with the EPA, and they brought back a 609 coordinator. It was only a short time when we didn't have one. Mm-hmm. But we noticed it when we didn't have uh, when you'd call in and they'd say, well, I don't handle 609, you know, I don't know anything about that. But fortunately, they replaced that person, and they've been solid people in that capacity ever since at the EPA. In the 609 program, it is a requirement now that every service technician have that certification. That You, you were the first, I believe, actual certification program. We were the first. Actually, Ward helped develop that program. And uh, it was written into the Clean Air Act as as a model for uh, other programs going forward. Mm. And you're actually providing that training, I believe, at the show here uh, for free. Yeah, yeah, we we do that every year and we get a lot of takers. Mm. It's it's amazing. We've certified over a million technicians in the 20-year history we've been doing this. And it's still amazing the number of working techs that are not certified. That can be a serious problem for some shops. What are the penalties a shop would face for not having their people certified? Something like 25000 a day. Wow. Tony, were you in the meeting this morning when the gentleman from Europe spoke? Yes. Well, I, I had a chance to speak to him before I came over here, and I guess you're going to talk to him later. Later today, yeah. We predicted that if we didn't do what we did with the EPA certification program, that we'd be in the fiasco that is currently taking place in Europe today. They have no technician training. They have, they have no certification. They have no unification. It's freelance any place. Even certification of equipment uh, they're lacking. Yeah, so it, it's interesting. And also, I was involved in some activity, and so was Elvis, and so was uh, Simon, where we actually went to other parts of the world and worked with their environmental people on making the information available that was in the program. Is what Max has done with respect to the certification, and I know you've also done some work with the manufacturers to help them with the equipment certification, is that knowledge transfer happening with the Europeans? Is that one of the reasons they're here? Um, or, Or do they look to Max as a good model to follow? Where are we going with that? Well, I would say we had much stronger relationship with the international community some years back than what is currently taking place uh, today. And, uh, for example, I went to Malaysia way back. I can't remember how far back at this point. And I know Elvis has been in some of the off-country areas, and we actually provided the information on the max. Uh, programs that Mm -hmm. Max had and also uh, giving them the information on the EPA program. 
for certification. So again, continuing to play a role, Max going forward is still engaged. What do you see on the horizon of this? Well, the changing technology that our, our service shops are dealing with is huge for us now. And part of that is convincing the shops that change is going to continue to accelerate. Mm-hmm. We talked a little bit about that earlier, but the uh, you've got to begin with people receptive to wanting to learn and, and knowing that they need to continue their training education on an annual basis. Ward, from an engineering standpoint, what do you see? Well, the big issue right now and is uh, the major concern that we have, uh, uh, and I'll use my uh, issue is what's happened to all the technicians? Where, where have they gone? Mm-hmm. The problem today is that we're not filling the pipelines, just like the plumbers, the electricians, and so forth, with younger students because we've lost a lot of things in the programs and the schools today. We don't have shop classes, and I spoke to some people today. They don't have the training programs in Europe for the younger students to come along. And the point that I really want to stress and get across to everybody today is we're no longer parts changers. Mm. I have some personal experience in recent days on my uh, one of my personal cars that not only do you change the part, but you've got to recalibrate the part. Some of it means road driving and everything else in hand. And if you don't understand that you just don't replace the part and throw it on the car and send the customer out the door, you're not going to do your job on the newer cars. The newer cars require recalibration and a lot of technical information that people need to be aware of. You know, we've run into a lot of that with the ADAS systems in the general mechanical community. And on the collision repair side, frankly, it's been a bigger problem for the collision shops because they'll see a new car you know, 10 minutes after it drives off the lot if somebody gets clumsy on the way home, and it happens. But I know the industry has been struggling mightily with keeping up with the uh, pace of change as it relates to developing the training that we need. How does Max cope with that? Max has, I know, a fairly sophisticated training offering. You guys are kind of all over the country, right? Right. We've brought in contract trainers to help the staff trainers do the work, and we're tied in with quite a few of the technical colleges. Mm -hmm. So we have outreach that way. And actually, our board of directors recently launched an initiative to expand our training group and our riders to address this very issue you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, We just continue to try to grow that side and expand our offerings. And like every other association out in the industry, Max relies heavily on the volunteer nature of their leadership and, and their involvement. And uh, you do a very good job of recognizing that. And I would be remiss if I did not note that, Elvis, you were given a Pioneer Award, right? (laughs) Yes, and it was a total shock to me. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about the Pioneer Award. Again, uh, it's important to recognize those who who give back to the industry, and Max does that very well. Yeah, it it dates back to, uh, I guess, the 80s. And it was actually started by the International Mobile Air Conditioning Association, Mm -hmm. who we were affiliated with, but they passed the baton to us, and uh, we thought it was a great tradition and a way to to recognize people who had contributed a lot to the industry. And so we do that on an annual basis and try to recognize all the worthy folks that deserve recognition for what they've contributed. Well, and again, Max does a great job of that. I myself have benefited from, I was honored to receive a lifetime membership when I left my magazine position and joined uh, ASE some number of years ago. 
and I've remained engaged with the organization simply because it remains one of the best sources of, in, of focused technical information, I think, available to the industry. So lots of things are happening. You seem to have a plan going forward. Ward, any final thoughts? Just that there's a lot of challenges forthcoming with new systems. If you want to be in the business, you need to expand your broad view of everything that's going on. Well, that's good advice. And, and you and I are going to follow up on that conversation about the help that we need, too. Hopefully we'll get a chance to do that before, before I leave here today. Elvis, again, congratulations. Thank you very much. Congratulations on the 40 years mm-hmm. of, of Mobile Air Conditioning Society. Again, I think one of the most important organizations in the industry when it comes to servicing the shop owners who service our air conditioning systems. And from what I've seen, uh, there's lots of work left to do. Absolutely. Well, again, gentlemen, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm Tony Mala. We have been speaking with Ward Atkinson and Elvis Hofspower of the Mobile Air Conditioning Society. And gentlemen, have a great day. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you're brand new to the ASA podcast or if you've been here before, I encourage you to subscribe so you won't miss some of the great things we have coming up in our future episodes. Just hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening and you'll be good to go. If you enjoy our podcast and find our content valuable, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you are listening to this. And if you're an automotive service facility shop owner listening to this podcast and you'd like to know more about ASA, I invite you to visit our website at asashop.org. I'm Tony Mala, and thanks for listening.